0: Hey guys, Rohan here. There's something I noticed about entrepreneurship podcasts. I'm just not finding them to be super practical. I mean, interviews with successful founders, stories about raising massive venture capital, getting celebrity shout outs. It's interesting and all, but as founders of Bootstrap Brands, we're in a different place. We need advice that we can apply right now to move to that next step. That's what we're all about here on the Bootstrap Branding Podcast. We'll have laid-back, informal conversations with founders who have just done what you need to do. Build your product, find your first customers, and all the other early-stage stuff that, frankly, makes or breaks you. Remember, you can catch up with all of this at BootstrapBranding.com. Alexander, thanks for joining. Can, can, you, can we start off, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself? Tell us a little bit about, about the brand? Yeah,
1: sure. Yo, what's up? Thanks for having me uh, on the show. My name is Alexander Harik for all of those uh, folks listening. And I'm the co-founder of Zesty Z. Um, My co-founder is actually my mom, but we'll get to that in a second. And her and I are, you know, building a a brand out of Brooklyn that's really inspired by the Mediterranean diet um, and the beautiful flavors um, from that part of the world. And I started the company Three years ago, we officially launched, but more like four. And we are uh, a national supplier to Whole Foods. And we make three products. We have a air popped Mediterranean popcorn. We have a seasoning line, like a Mediterranean everything bagel and za'atar. And then we have a condiment line as well, which was our first product, uh, which is the za'atar and olive oil, you know, combination, you know, mix. So that's our product line. Whole Foods is our, you know, main relationship and account, but you can find us in the tri-state New York, you know, metro area in a lot of independent stores and online retailers as well.
0: I'm really looking forward to getting into learning how how a lot of that happened. But first, like, you don't see too many people start up with their parents. (laughs) Can you tell us a bit about that? And I watched some of the videos. Your mom's a force, man. She's great.
1: Yeah. Um, uh, Yeah, thank you. And no, not many people do. You know, there's a lot of family businesses. And in various shapes and sizes, especially in food, right? You know, bakeries, other things, whatever in the New York area you see. But um, yeah, to have your mom be your co-founder on a legit, you know, bootstrap, you know, emerging brand, independent kind of hustle, yeah. is pretty wild, but it's been great. Uh, I just give that as a testament to how cool my mom is. Um, she's a badass herself. She has had a successful career and really worked her butt off. Um, in the finance and banking area as a woman kind of, you know, going through a lot uh, over the past 40 years working and, has, and became successful and she was good at it. But she knows the grind. And so um, creating a company based on our Lebanese heritage in our Mediterranean background, you know, Middle Eastern background, uh, it was key to have her being part of it. And she's a good sport. I mean, I think the best thing I can say really about it is She's very self-aware. I think that's the most thing that businesses, especially family ones, don't do well. She knows that I'm the CEO and this was my idea for sure. There's a lot that she contributes from the finance side, from the R&D side, from the flavor, you know, from the marketing, and so it's just the self-awareness each of us really have that make a good team, whether it's from sports or business or whatever, or politics. It could be anything. So she's super aware, and she likes to say, you know, if she understood how to go from parent to partner. And I give her, like, all the credit in the world. Like, she gives me my space. She lets me make the final decision, even though we try to make them together 99% of the time. And um, she believed in me. She was the first one that was like, yeah, let's do this. She made me, you know, I say this all the time, but she made me come with a legitimate business plan and model.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> and it wasn't just like, oh, yeah, honey, like, we'll do this. Like, no, mom was like, no, you get your ass together like a business plan. And it's got to be at least more than one page. So. Uh, so that's how we started and i give her all the testament in the world but it's been really fun you know um i think in the evolution of a relationship as a child grows and especially coming from a middle eastern mediterranean background where culture family faith food are all like super important like many beautiful cultures across the world it's like what is that parent child just dynamic on its own it's like relationships and like as the child gets older, right, do the responsibilities, you know, go more on them, right? It, it happens everywhere. But to like have like, you know, the last chapters of her life or like the last quarter of her life to be more entrepreneurial and doing something that she never thought she would be doing, like a vendor in Whole Foods nationwide and going through that journey, the wins and the losses has brought a joy, you know, to her and really has brought a joy to. Uh, our relationship in a very unique way um so we share in a lot of special moments together that i'm very grateful for so zesty z no no matter what happens has brought us a lot of joy um and the fact that we go to a trade show and legitimately like people in the food industry know her and know her as zesty mom uh it just (laughs) makes my heart warm like it just it you know it's just like damn it like if i did something right you know listen you know it's you know, um, sharing how awesome my mom is with the world.
0: That's really cool. I, if I thought about myself starting up something with my parents, I love my parents, no offense to them, but that, that shit would be belly up by the next day. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, so I get that's, it. That's, that's beautiful. That's really cool. It's um,
1: more on her. It's, it's honestly, it would, it's, it's more on her cause I can be super difficult. Like, <laughs> and I know, <laughs> you know, and moody and volatile and passionate and like stubborn and whatnot, but it's more on her. It's, it's, it's working because of her, I would say.
0: Very cool. So I, I think we're probably going to learn a little bit about her role in R and D with this next thing. We just, I'm super interested to understand how people go from zero to one. So like what made you, cause you, and I should, I should say, you know, you, you and I have spoken a little bit. So you had a career in finance. Yes, correct and you you left that to start this brand i think right
1: right so the short of that is i grew up in new york city and then the metro new york area um just outside of it so i'm from the area went to school in ohio uh kate's western reserve university thought i was going to be a history professor major and do all that session hits both my parents worked in finance and banking and, you know, most, you know, Lebanese parents or Arab parents, you know, the engineer, lawyer, doctor, business, right? and like many, right? I would say that's, that's just not to them. It's any like cultural, right? I have a lot the of old, Indian friends, like my world. best friends, yeah, yeah. yeah you know, yeah. like, you know, some of my Indian friends, like the same way if you're not a doctor, like my best friend's Indian, like if you
0: My my business business partner and I were talking about this last night. He's Egyptian. And so we were just talking about how we're all the same. Like my Korean friends, my Middle Eastern friends, everybody's parents are like, lawyer, doctor, engineer, lawyer, doctor.
1: If you're like immigrant, if you come from a background, which America is obviously all immigrants, right? But if you are like, you know, kind of, you know, um, within the last like hundred years, like immigrants, right? You know, especially, um, you know, parents who, you know, gave up careers there and started here or came here for school, yeah. you want security, you know, you want safety, you know, you've changed your life. So it's in their mind, right? That a lawyer, a doctor, you know, an engineer, you'll get a good salary and like you'll be good because it's risk averse, right? right? It's so much. Shit happened. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to be a history professor and just like read and write and kind of teach. And then the recession hit, and my parents were like, mm, maybe you should like switch your major to finance or do something related to that. So I did. I worked in, you know, uh, banking and economics and fintech for about like 10 years in New York City, living the life, you know, boozy bruncheon dating. It's when the apps first hit. You know, uh, checking out the city, just living your 20s and just kind of experiencing and whatever. But there was a piece of me that felt not creative, not fulfilled, and seeing all the cool stuff that was happening out there. I was like, oh, I can do more. Like, I can do this. I want to test all my skills. So with that in mind, and knowing my heritage is Lebanese and Arab, you know, seeing the popularity of hummus and yogurts and like baba ganoush and shawarma and falafel, and like pita bread, right? I was like, "Wow! Like Americans are really loving this flavor." It's Like, "Wow! I wish I started a hummus company twenty years ago." It's like it says every Arab ever, right. you know. Like it's like it, trust me, like you know. It's like, oh, all right. Um. So, um, I just was out like brunching one day, and I started to see zaatar, which is for those who don't know, it's the, like it's like the everything bagel of the Middle East and Mediterranean. It's this wonderful savory yet bright um, herb combination of thyme, oregano, sumac, and sesame seed. that is this all-purpose seasoning that's used at every meal by millions of people. It's a very popular flavor in seasoning. And you grow up with it. It's like a cultural food. Uh, It's like a hummus or yogurt or olive oil. It's always there. So I started seeing the seasoning show up more in restaurants. And I was like, oh, shoot. Is datar going to be the next hummus? Are people ready for more? And then more stuff about the Mediterranean diet coming up. And like growing up, I had salad with every meal, right? I ate olive oil all the time. We grew up in a home where it was like eighty percent vegetarian, you know. So like these idea and low sodium. So like these ideas of the Mediterranean diet and flavors were instilled in me at such a young age that seeing the popularity um, within the restaurant space and with consumers gravitating towards that direction in their choices was fascinating to me. And I thought wow, like couldn't I build like a modern brand built around the diet and those flavors and really innovate and create stuff? So take like the familiar American kind of products and blend them with kind of the unfamiliar for the majority of folks. And I was like, let's start with what I know it's za'atar. And a za'atar and olive oil combination is a classic you either mix it in a bowl at home and use it as a versatile spread, like a pesto, like a Lebanese or you know Arab pesto, or you kind of dip and dunk. You like take your bread, dip it in the olive oil, then dunk it in the zaatar, and then you can cook with it. So I was like, a lot of people sell dry zaatar, legacy spice brands, kind of old school, kind of look and feel. Yeah. I was like, why don't I start like a cool company and try to sell the zaatar condiment and see if I could teach people. So that that was like the genesis of the idea and I think it's important you have that historical context the frustrations with work being in a foodie city it's like all these things happening like at once and I'm just relentless man like I have no mercy you know just for people even in my personal relationships like if you suck I will drop you after one strike you know like I hold people to like a high standard because I hold myself my mental my physical like very organized like I hold myself to a high standard and I hold those, you know, around me accountable as well. And so I was like, if I'm going to do this, yeah, it's going to be bootstrapped, but I'm really going to go after this with a vigor and intensity that, you know, um, people may not be comfortable with or have seen um,
0: in my, in my circle. So, you know, you want to start this, like, what are the first... what are the first steps you take? Okay. Like, what is step one? Like you wake up, you're like, I'm starting a day. What do what you so, do? So
1: I had thought about the Zatar condo. So you start doing research one. Who's selling Zatar and what does it look like? All right. Everyone's selling it dry. Okay. In my mind as a business, there, there's like only three models. You know, you either do something totally innovative. You either be the middleman or take out the middleman or you just do a remix, a better version of it. Right. Like those are in my mind, maybe there's, you know, some other thing out there, but you can group every business in my mind, and I've thought about this, into one of those three categories. So I was like, I can't make Zatar better than it is like already. I mean, sure, there are some bad brands out there that use fillers and stuff, but like, if you get good Zatar, it's good Zatar. It's still dry. Right. I was like, I'm not gonna do that. And I was like, why don't I do something innovative? So I realized that no one was selling zaatar and olive oil combined. And so I did that one, then I figured out, I worked on a name, So I did some exercises around like naming and what I was doing on a whiteboard. Zesty Z basically stands for Zesty Zatar. I love the word Zesty. I like the letter Z, you know, it was catchy. It was fun. Zesty Z works. Then I ran up on my family was the third step. They thought I was nuts. uh, And I asked mom for her recipe. And she asked me to come up with a business plan. Step four was really uh, going on legal Zoom. Um, just legal Zoom. Everyone's listening, like, don't talk to your loyal friends, lawyer friends. Just do it on legal Zoom. It's like 250 bucks for LLC. Right. I,
0: yeah. I, did, I didn't use legal Zoom. I used something similar, but like that part of things. Was, yeah. It, ta- just it do takes it. 20 minutes. Just do it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just, just do it. Get it done. Um,
1: you know, once I had the names, I had that. And then, you know, uh, I looked at domains. I looked at social media handles on, you know, Twitter and Facebook, you know, and Instagram. And I kind of got all those pieces like together before I really like hashed everything out. So that's kind of the more branding and marketing side of it. From an operational standpoint, I knew that's what the next phase was. So where the F am I going to make this? So I started literally Googling, Google University, everybody listening, like Google University. It's like, wow, to make food products, you can't <laughs> manufacture it in your home. Right. No shit. Like, all right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. You know, food safety was something I didn't know anything about. Um, so I looked up everything from the state of New York and New York City Department of Health, what you needed. And you basically needed a license, like a food handling license and like a food processing license called the 20C. Okay. And so I basically looked all those things up and like followed the process there, so I knew I could legally produce it. And then um, I looked for manufacturing. Okay. So I reached out. I looked at co-working sp- spaces and kitchens and things. And at the time in 2015, 2016. Brooklyn and New York city was having a little bit of like a independent, like specialty food renaissance where like kitchens were opening up.
0: Yeah. And you mean like so, shared commercial kitchens, right? Like. Correct. What, yeah. What you can do for people who might be unaware of this and like looking to, 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 to do something in the food and beverage space. I think some cities probably better than others. New York, Brooklyn, definitely probably one of the better ones for sure. But if you look around in your area, you might be able to find a, commercial kitchen where you can rent space or yeah. rent time almost like abandoned boarding yeah. studio kind of, you know? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You got it. It's like a studio. I mean, so again, yeah, just to help some folks out like your religious institutions or like organizations, whether, wherever you go, if there's like a kitchen there, okay. you know, there's like a shared kitchen, they definitely have a license. You can go negotiate like a deal to rent time there.
0: Right.
1: Um. You can go to restaurants you know, bakeries, you know, like if, you know, places are only doing breakfast and lunch, right. You know, that space, like a deli, right. Like some sort of catering place, you know, in the evenings or overnight, you know, you can strike a deal right? because you want to avoid signing a lease, never sign a lease in your life doing this,
0: like that, from that, the beginning. That's incredible advice. I never, never thought of that. Like if, if, if there are caterers and obviously like they're footing the bill on this commercial kitchen to run a catering business. You can't use it 24 hours a day. I mean, it's impossible. And you, you You know, and you negotiate to rent time and maybe you're doing them a favor by like helping them basically pay for an asset. You
1: are, you are. And like, don't go and don't come at it. If you make this ask with like, like you're providing value, like they're earning income while they're sleeping. Yeah. You might have the graveyard shift, but if you're passionate about your idea, like who gives a shit and like, you can use their fillers, like the sweet one I see you have right behind you, which yeah. is so on brand for this podcast, like <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you, like you know my man here literally has like a filling machine like in his background that yeah, that's incredible, it's literally a filling machine, so yep. very on brand for your it's like a trophy it's a sign yeah. of a tr- it's like a trophy for sure, yeah. yeah, badge of honor, I love it, yeah um
0: try to run around it but, run around the block with it make your shoulders hurt. <laughs>
1: i still have the first label maker uh that we use oh word. uh yeah my mom's like keep that in our office just to remind you of like stuff you had to do <laughs> um it's a good idea um so getting back to the kitchen space for food and bath yes go contact your local restaurants. like seriously people you are doing them a favor you are offering them income while they are sleeping you'll still have to get your food processing license for their insurance and stuff like to show that you're a worthy tenant. But like, if you know how to use like an oven and like a pot, like they're not gonna mess up and they trust you. So yeah. Anyway, that's that. So yeah, I looked for I looked for a shared space, whether it was a, an official commercial kitchen or places that I could go to. I even like contacted our church. You know, they had a space too. Tried to negotiate, but in the end, um, there was a organization and like kind of like a new company co- coming up in Brooklyn called Brooklyn Food Works. It was an accelerator. We were part of the first class. And so I submitted the application. They were building out like a shared community kitchen with equipment and stuff. And so that was the first place I applied to. So you're in the New York area too, they, they shut down, but Hot Bread Kitchen in Harlem is also another place you can
0: go to. Awesome. Great, great. Thanks for, thanks for dropping that. I mean, I, think that's, I yeah. think that's That's one of those stumbling blocks, right? Like, how am I going to make this first batch or how am I even going to R&D to something that I know I want to sell and, and do it in a way that's actually going to allow me to do it legally?
1: Yeah, yeah. You don't want to do it. You don't want to do it illegally. It'll come back to bite you in the ass. Yeah. I know plenty of people when I first started that tried to do that. It, it doesn't work. It, it just it doesn't work. So yeah. don't do that. And so, I mean, your first, just a caveat, like your first prototype to like friends and family, like, okay, sure. no problem. But like, you're talking about food, mm-hmm. like food is it's all whole, whole other beast. I don't know about cosmetics. I don't know about like, you know, manufacturing, like athletic wear. Like, I don't know about other industries, but food people are very, very strict about because people can get sick. So please take it seriously.
0: Yeah. And it's, it's good advice. So you, you get into, you get into the accelerator, right? But, the first thing, nailing a recipe.
1: Yeah, dude, <laughs> the first thing is nailing a recipe and you don't know, don't know what the hell you're doing because usually, you know, whatever you're making, you make it home and it's like your mom's recipe. So it's commercialization of the recipe.
0: Okay. So, so now, Max on the last episode was talking a lot about this because you can make it awesome in your kitchen. It can taste great. All those things. Now, yeah. when you were talking about making it shelf stable, packable, all those types of things, a little bit, not a little bit, probably a really different ballgame.
1: Yeah. It's really hard. It's not easy because however you're making it and storing it at home is not, you know, the way it will be made and transported and consumed. So the flavor might be a little less. And are you okay with that? Mm -hmm. You know, how you packaged it, you know, for example, the Zantar condiment we'd make at home, you know, I'd mix it up and I'd put it in a bowl and I would like leave it, you know, on my mom's kitchen counter or whatever. That's not going to work. So you need to find caps and the caps have to work and the caps have to keep the oil fresh and the product fresh and not leak. Yeah. Like, so like there's all this stuff. So yeah, you might make it, but then product tastes good on the spot, but then you have to package it correctly and then you have to let it sit for a week then mm-hmm. test it how it takes two weeks, right? So it's called shelf life challenges is a pretty big thing too. And then you put your, how you want to ship it. So then you put it in like a box. I put it in a box. Now I'd mail it to myself from
0: Brooklyn. Just to see see. what it's like. Just to see, yeah, just to see, does it leak? And we're we're kind of doing the same thing, like with commons, like we we opened up uh, the site to our friends, you know, people placed orders. And now we're basically in the process of going back and being like, did it make it to you in one piece? Did like, yes. it like explode? Oh and, yes. You no, know, you gotta do those things because you skip those steps, man. And then kind of the experience Deadly. Oh, Yeah. Deadly. I'm gonna guess like you you R and D your way, you got you got yeah. on it you achieve a sh- uh, shelf stability, right? Yep. And then yes. did you did you start like how how did you do the first sales? Like where like what was the first place?
1: So yes, so fast forward to right, packaging, glass, yeah. labels, like all the individual components, you have to Google University and ask around, ask Twitter, LinkedIn, Google, wherever. So assuming you get all that done, right? Even designers too, printing, whatever, okay? So you have a viable product, even though the first iteration probably looks like shit, like, you know, you <laughs> wanna go sell
0: <laughs>
1: You want to go sell it. So that's what happened with us. Like, wow, I look back at this label, damn, oof. Um,
0: but that's okay, so, right?
1: Like, yeah, of course, it's great. It's great. It's uh, great. It's great. Yeah. It's, it's, it's great. Listen, you're always going to be your hardest critic. Everyone says that. You know, I would just give people this packaging advice. Just keep it stupid, simple. Tell people what the product is and how to use it in an elegant and bright way or whatever aesthetic way that fits with your brand. Don't try to be too cute with your fonts and like this stuff, and like whatever. Readability, consumer has three seconds when they walk by to see your product. Can you get them all that information in that amount of time? Or capture their attention to stay five seconds. So I have like, a so our first batch size was like 50 jars and I was thrilled. I was like, wow, this passed all of our challenges. Here we go, let's right, LFG, like let's go. <laughs> So I'm like, I, I mean, I have a personality I'd like to think, a friendly personality, um, and I don't take myself too seriously. So rejection really never bothered me. It bothers me, but it never prevented me. Sure. And I was super passionate. You know, I had my culture, you know, behind me. I had some friends and family. So I got blue IKEA bags, and I, you know, packed them up in six in a case. I made these recipe cards, you know, on Vista Print. And I literally looked up, you know, the stores that people were selling into within our community. And I literally looked looked up who the owners were, tried to find that information. I wrote a handwritten note. I put like pita chips in a little bag, nice. you know, with a recipe card in a jar. And I literally showed up with a blue Ikea bag full of like jars and these little green bags being like, hey, can I talk to a manager? Yo, let me talk to a manager. <laughs>
0: And, and how were you received? Like, did, did it work? I mean, did you get in?
1: No, it works. It works. It works. Listen, you don't open up a retail independent store. Like people want new products and they want to meet the founders. So, you know, it's like they're used to getting pitched. It's cool. And they're usually, if they're smaller independent stores, usually like to, willing to support local brands. So you just got to come at it professional, do a little research and show your passion you know, and it's an interesting product that they don't have. So I just said, yo, hey, I'm Alexander. Can I talk to a manager about our awesome new company that's based in Brooklyn? I mean, who's going to say like, you know, here's this guy. He's like sweating. It was like August, you know, carrying everything. That's <laughs> 10 seconds with the manager. I mean, like, you know, and then the manager usually comes out, you know, most of the time and you say, hey, you know, we make this really innovative, you know, Zotar condiment. Do you know what Zotar is? They're always usually like, yes. So this demographic new. I said, this is for you. Uh, My information is in here and I gave you a recipe card. I think your customers would really love adding really new flavors and aspects of the Mediterranean diet, you know, to meals at any time. And I'd be willing to give you a free case and kind of do a demo. Yeah. So my only ask is just try the product and let me know if I can borrow a couple hours of, you know, your time in a corner and just talk to your customers. And it was just like, it was just like this. I mean, that wasn't exactly it, but that was like the demeanor and like what I, and I tried to go at like two o'clock, you know, you're not going in like, you know, you try to go in the lull between breakfast and like lunch. I mean, breakfast and dinner and lunch. I mean, and like, honestly, if the person owning the store is like a half decent human being, I mean, you're giving them free product. Yep. You know, hopefully your idea looks good. It's professionally packed. You know, you're not a clown showing up. And you're speaking from a part of it, you know, of, of you know, appreciation and, you know, authenticity and yeah. you're, you know, you're wearing your heart on your sleeve.
0: Yeah. And what I think is interesting is like, you went, you went with the demo approach first, right? You basically just said, let let me just set up, do samples and talk to customers. And then we'll go yeah. from if it works, right? Like
1: Got to go, got to go that way. Got to go that way. I mean, because, this is pre-COVID environment. Like right. these independent stores love demos. They love like think of it from their shoes, right? There's an energetic person like bringing something new to the store. You know, variety is the spice of life, and you know, so you have an energetic, enthusiastic, professional person giving out free samples, just like you're at Costco. It's the same kind of thing. People love free shit. Yep. You know, hopefully, it's like a good product too. That the owner like okay. And, you know, there's literally no risk because the first case is free and, you know, you're bringing the product with you. So it does, it's like a mini event in their store. And that's the route I suggest everyone does. Because what you want to avoid for everybody out there, especially in food and beverage, even if you give them free product, how are they, how is the customer going to know about you? Right. You know, is this store owner going to let you put a flyer up but like why would they let you put a flyer up for a brand that's brand new unless you're really good in convincing them or they're doing you a favor like why would they give you any more retail space in their store when they could give that you know marketing you know that shelf space to a brand that turns a lot faster and they generate you know higher cash flow margins
0: and cash flow i feel like we're very conditioned to think about considering marketing costs in terms of ad budgets in terms of working with influencers PR you know those things and those things are important for most brands maybe not all but I feel like what you're talking about right now is you know something we're working on too which is your product is your marketing cost because if you're in if you're in CPG of of some sort food Bev skincare those types you're gonna sample you're gonna like you have to. to get out there and do samples tell them you tell know. them baby tell them right you know <laughs> and yeah and yeah consider giving your product away for free in controlled amounts in controlled situations a marketing cost yes.
1: if you're not if you're not willing to give out samples of your product for free don't start your business
0: yeah yeah because People have choice.
1: It's it's impossible. It's, it is whether you're at a trade show, whether you're at a demo, whether you're doing marketing gift bags for an event. Like if you think your product is the best thing in the world and you're so protective over it, and for whatever your reasons are, you don't want to give out samples, like even little trial packs. I'm not talking about the big sizes, right? Yeah, maybe the big sizes you have to in the beginning. It's impossible to launch a successful CPG brand without gifting or sampling your product. It's just fact of the matter. So that's the approach I took. And the product sold. I mean, I was very personable. You know, I rolled in, I had like, you know, little, you know, things of cheddar cheese and little pita chips and little bowls and I figured it out. Mom helped me with this part. Obviously, she's like, "Mm, You gotta work on your presentation. I was like, All right. So, you know, I go in and honestly, for a year, I would schedule demos from Thursday, uh well, from Thursday to Tuesday. And on the weekend, I would double book like in the city, so like a morning shift and an afternoon shift yep. at like two different independent stores. I would have my, you know, my car, my borrow my parents car or I'd have my IKEA bags or I'd eventually got one of those roller things, like a roller grocery things named Zeus. I got pictures of him too. <laughs> you know, and I would literally pack myself a lunch in the morning and the whole day yeah. I would be between two locations, giving out cards, samples, hollering, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever. Yep. And for a full year, whether it was Whole Foods or your like, you know, Joe Smith's, you know, or Jane Smith's independent specialty store, I was there.
0: Store, like the retail channel is, is that growth for you? Distribute, like growing distribution, getting into more doors,
1: yeah, it is a growing, it is a growing thing for us. I mean, so to take a step back, so we started with the condiments. Yeah. We got into about fifty, sixty stores in the New York area, all independent, all on our own. At the time, again, there was this kind of renaissance in New York going, a lot of food fairs, a lot of events. So, like we were getting organic PR event, people were hearing about us. Whole Foods hears about us. Um, one of their foragers at the time, you know, we had met. And through the accelerator, we got introduced and that's how it happened. We started off with one store and then I kind of convinced my way (laughs) into all 13 in the city. Yeah. We got with their main distributor, UNFI, which is a whole nother conversation for another day. Yeah. But we got in there and we were working it. I mean, we were working New York City, Whole Foods and independent Whole Foods uh, and independent stores. Excuse me. So we were working that for like a year from like 2017 you know, to the beginning of 2018. Yeah. And then um, it's only one condiment, one flavor, one size. That's it. So keeping my working capital light, keeping my offering light. It was a gift and a curse. Honestly, it was a gift and a curse, but keeping everything light. I'm proof of concept. And then it got to the point where, you know, we were doing well with Whole Foods. I had conversations with their global team. They loved our story. They loved, the brand we were trying to build future, you know, future plans and kind of things you wanted to do and just kind of something super innovative. Whole Foods loves innovation. And so we got, you know, we struck a deal to go national with Whole Foods and that was a pretty big moment. Um, And that happens, you know, at the end of 2018, Um, just going from self-distributing and selling on your own. And now you're distributing through a distribution network at like the premier, you know, store in the United States for grocery. Yeah. I mean, that, that is a
0: podcast series on its own. And what did it demand of you? Did you have to like, did you have to switch to a new supplier who can handle that volume? Cause it's being in whole foods, yeah. Asia, it's a big volume thing. And you got to yeah, yeah, you have to deliver. So,
1: so when that happens, right, so when someone, so whatever your business is, once you achieve like you know, initial scale, you have to make a conscious decision. Do you want to manufacture and invest in machines and capital expenditures
0: right.
1: uh, and equipment, labor, insurance, real estate, right? All this stuff to continue manufacturing because you can manufa- manufacture it the best and for whatever reasons you decide that's the best. Okay, you're doing that. So many other brands go a different route, which is called like the co-packing or co-manufacturing or a third party. Right. It's essentially, you know, a third party that is going to manufacture, that has the expertise in a certain area that is willing to work with you provided you hit certain minimums to manufacture and package and perhaps warehouse your product. So we decided that our best interest, because I didn't just want to be a condiment company was let's go the co-packing route. And we searched for, when. by the time when I said yes to the initial deal at Whole Foods, I was still manufacturing in Brooklyn with mom and friends. And they want you to go into like 500 stores, which is
0: nuts. It's a lot of product.
1: And there's no way I'd have to be manufacturing 24 hours a day on my own, batching it by hand and capping it by hand. It it would have taken a month to make, you know, the initial, you know, the initial volume size. So, I said yes. And then I had pressure on me to go find manufacturers. And then I looked all over the United States, you know, and this is very confidential stuff. Just for people know, like you never have to give up your information. If people ask you, like, you never have to say who you manufacture with because it is a trade secret. So yeah. don't feel shy about keeping it like confidential. It. Um, a lot of brands generally know, you know, within the brand space, it's like, Oh, you're on the line and you see someone else else's like, Oh shit. Like, yeah. all right you know, um, or it's you're just big enough and you know, and it's more of a marketing thing. But um, we did a pretty big exhaustive search
0: and figured out this was the best route. So we, part, we, so we partnered with somebody, yeah. So I think people, a lot, a lot of people might think that like, once you get that Whole Foods account, like in my notes, I have it like, th- I think people think you like cruising to the sunset on a million dollar yacht, but it's not exactly like that, right?
1: No, no, it's, it's not exactly like that because getting in and everyone will tell you this, Getting in, getting in is the easy part. Now you got to stay in. And that means velocity. That means marketing. That means promoting, you yeah. know. And, you know, if your margins are healthy, right, you know, 30, 40, 50, 60%, whatever that may be, you really want to be turning a lot of product, yeah. you know, to justify and take that data to either other retailers to open up more doors. Right. Or to go to raise money and say, hey, I need more to do this or to open up food service, you know, channels selling to restaurants, selling to airlines, cruises, you know, or maybe D2C. So, getting in is the first step, you got to stay in and it is a really big challenge to so- keep product driving and brand awareness top of funnel stuff.
0: So what are what are you guys doing to to do that? Because you're right. Once you get into the store, so now you've got the shelf space, but they're expecting you to actually move those units, right? And, and you got You got to you got to achieve sell through, right? So like, yeah. What does marketing look like for, for you guys? How how are you generating interest yeah. products so people will go into Whole Foods and then pick it up? Sure.
1: So demos are okay. good. Um, I would highly encourage even in the bigger retailers either hire your own demo team or use, you know, a third party. Yeah. But demos is a really good way. They're not always profitable, but right. you know, you're visible and you get people talking. Even if you don't sell everything, people know who you are. One. You know, two. Um, you can geo target your ads, you know, for the store zip codes and you can run some very basic ads. Like it's nothing crazy. Yeah. You can also work with your retailer, you know, if they have an email list, if they have a social media account, you can put some money behind there um, and you can do kind of stuff like that. Um, So those are just some basic ways that like a lot of like folks do things Mm -hmm. Um, and also sponsoring events or sampling it like events within your community or those stores, or if, you know, you know, Whole Foods or a retailer is doing like a summer event, find out what events they're doing and just toss some of those samples in.
0: Right. Yeah, You
1: know, a lot of, a lot of places are doing delivery. So quite frankly, right now, right. Just say, yo, ex-retailer, um, I just want to donate like a thousand of, like, units, you know, for like deliveries that include this type of product. Can we do that?
0: Yeah. I think it's a great idea. It's a great idea.
1: So those are all, those are all kind of, you know, free and, and kind of non-free ways too. And then your own organic social media, but that's difficult these days. It is. Yeah. I mean... Instagram is just you know plateauing. You know I think you know, and it's all paid. You know TikTok obviously there's room for growth, but you know the early days of you know 2014, 13, 14 of Instagram and throwing a hashtag and working with the influencer for free, gone. It's tough, yeah. Organic, yeah. Organic is tough um, on social media channels now, outside of TikTok, I'd say.
0: Yeah, agreed. So last thing I want to touch on is. Um, I saw the I saw the spot that you guys landed in Bonap um, it's cool. yeah Bonap thanks and so you the product came recommended great spot yeah. How did, Thank how, you. did that, how did that come about?
1: dude, that was organic. that was just putting yourself out there in the streets, you know my sister's laugh at me when I always say the streets are talking, you know, but like literally <laughs> like literally they're like no they're, they're talking that's just getting out there yeah. You know? I know it's tough now in COVID and we're in a new normal and maybe the same things I'm talking about that happen for us, aren't applicable as much now, but like every event that I could go to just show up people, yeah. just show up, just yeah. show up. And like that's 90% of it. So like and- book fairs, cookbook fairs, like other things going on, just offer to set up a booth and go and people will talk about you.
0: So- yeah. And I think what's important there, right. Is, you got to be in it for the long haul. Like it's a year of doing that before something like this materializes organically, right? Plant the seeds. That's it. Gotta, yes. Yes. Don't, don't do no. one and then expect to hit in a magazine. And then if it doesn't happen, get discouraged. Like it's not how it works.
1: No, it, 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 it's not how it's not how it works at all. You know, and bootstrapping too, um, which is obviously, you know, how we're building this have built it so far. It's a long process. Yeah it's not pretty, it's very volatile, it's very emotional. I am a optimistic person at heart and forever will be. Yeah. But you need to like do a mental health like check like every once in a while because it's brutal. I mean, if you can't take being rejected multiple times a day, and as the founder, like it's personal, I don't care what anybody says. Whoever said it's whatever you hold on. What's the quote? it's not personal. It's business. Like right. they never started a business. So I right. think that exactly. quote is trash. Right. That's trash. That's just, so if you can't take, you know, rejection on like your baby or getting called your baby ugly, right. For like the analogy like, every day and, and you don't have like a mental plate up here, you know, right. or people in your corner cheering you on, save yourself like the heartburn and stress and like anxiety and you know, Rethink what you're doing, yeah. because as you have said in our private conversations, this idea that you will exit, start <laughs> some idea, you'll go viral on Twitter or Facebook or whatever. You'll get into all the retailers that you want. Money will never be a problem, you know, and then you'll exit in three years for like millions of dollars. No.
0: Yeah. Like, when, it happens, no. when it happens, it's rare. It's a little bit of a lightning in a bottle.
1: Thing. Yeah. And, and you have to be okay. Like you have to like game plan and scenario. And I'll be honest with you on this. Like, w- like what is like the best optimal outcome look like? And then notch it down. Like, well, what does it look like if the market's telling you that they like the product, but don't like love it? Yeah. Do you shut it down? Do you just keep it online and just post? Do you sell some of it business to a strategic? You have to think about all those situations. I do. Any brand owner that tells you they don't and have imposter syndrome and, you know, question themselves in waves of doubt is either really narcissistic or like has a product that I want to invest in. Yeah. Like from, from the job,
0: yeah. like, you know, Secretly, are very jealous of that person. Yeah.
1: Um, that's just the mental health piece. Every time I talk with, you know, with people on this, you know, and I get the opportunity to talk with cool dudes like you trying to build your own product and share with the community and build something. Your mental health is key. So, you know, please don't sleep on that. If you're listening, it's okay to feel anxiety and have some
0: failure and like talk to people, please. Like you don't have to internalize at all. Sage advice, man. Sage advice. Well, this was, this was a blast. I think. Well, I, thank you. <laughs> thanks so much for coming on, man. This was Wildly enlightening for me. I think people are going to love it. Um, before we wrap, tell us where do we, where do we catch up with you? Where do we catch up with the brand?
1: Yeah. So on, uh, on IG, it's at You can see what we're doing over there and building uh, on Twitter. It's at underscore official. The website is Zesty Z.com. You can find our products, our condiments at Whole Foods nationwide. Uh, we're going to be, possibly, you know, locking in like a second national product drop later this year, one of our other products. So Whole Foods, uh, Amazon website. And if you're in the tri-state area, you know, especially New York City, keep an eye out of some of your independence for those bright green jars or those colorful popcorn bags.
0: Awesome. Thanks, man. This was a blast. Most
1: welcome. Yeah, you better believe it. (laughs) <laughs> and for everyone listening, I'm joking about feta because our cheese flavor is cheesy feta. So anytime I get to slide in a feta joke using it like that, I like to. So uh, thank you for having me. And I have to give you a lot of credit, too. Um, mm-hmm. I love your Twitter handle. I don't think people know how we met. We're, this is like a IRL Twitter situation here.
0: Right. And, you know, it's crazy. All these are. We were talk- talking with, you know, with Max from, from the last episode. It's like, yes. yes, like, Man, like it. I, I got to know Max
1: too on Twitter too. So when I saw you drop it on Twitter, I you know I had to holler. I was like, oh wow, you know he's hooking up with Matt, Max. I was like, I gotta bring some, I gotta bring some flavor on this one. So well, you did. It is really cool. It's really cool to connect with people on Twitter and um, then bring it in real life. So yeah, and your Twitter handle is great. Times <laughs> new Rohan. Like thanks for a sucker that loves like cleverness and food puns because honestly i'm using feta jokes when i saw that when we first met i was like this effing guy like <laughs> i i'm like all right all right like i'll have a drink with this guy i'll have all the have coffee i'll chat with him
0: <laughs> months joke. ago months ago other folks on twitter like gave me an award for for the best twitter handle and wait uh, did they really yeah it was a joke but i printed it out and i took a picture of me like putting it on the fridge over my kids drawings and like being very <laughs> satisfied and i posted I'll, I'll retweet it and i'll tag you it's pretty fun. Yeah, yeah you gotta
1: tag me in a dude it's incredible i was like wow this guy <laughs> really awesome anyway thank you for the opportunity to chat it's always cool meeting authentic people like you trying to build as well and that's the beauty of this community so Thank you for helping to support that and spread, you know, ZestDZ's awareness and kind of our love of the Mediterranean. It really
0: means a lot. Awesome. Love having you on, man. Thank you so much. Cheers. Take care. Peace. Hey, Rohan here again. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. And I hope you learned something that you can use right away with your own brand. Make sure to hit that subscribe or follow button so you never miss an episode. And please leave a rating or review. It really helps. And I'd love to hear your feedback. Catch up with me at bootstrapbranding.com. Take care, stay tuned for the next one.